0: for today. We're going to jump in, and and fair warning, it's going to be weird. Um, I I say that for two reasons. We're we're talking about a topic that's in Proverbs, but not well articulated in Proverbs. This has been a very challenging book, and we're going to be in it for a little while uh, throughout the summer, because it's a collection of wise sayings, And you kind of have to chew on them. You have to roll them around in your thoughts before you really can grapple with what they're saying. Because you know, on surface value, they they might come off a little strange. And as we look at, so we've been kind of moving through you know topics or themes that we see in the book. Really, it's difficult to tackle this book unless you do it that way. And we've been talking about relationships today. You know, arguably talking about the most significant relationships in our life and that would be of a significant other, of of marriage. Now, let me just speak to the awkward. I, I think whether you're single or married, nobody wants to hear a sermon on marriage. I, I think I can confidently say that. I think if, if you're a single person, there might be a, oh, I want that and I don't have it. And a great, the pastor's going to be reminding me of that. Oh, great. You know, I, I, I don't want that today. Or perhaps it's something that you've chosen not to uh, pursue and, and you're kind of happy in that space. So you're like, well, I'm just going to check out and, and think about what I'm having for lunch because this doesn't apply. <laughs> Uh, And then to married people, you might be like, you know what, it's working, it's good enough, I don't need any tips, or it's already ailing, and you're like, you know, you missed the boat, Pastor, it's too late. So let me just speak to that. I know nobody wants to hear this. So I'm coming at this from what is hopefully a different angle, and and I want to encourage us this way. This is one of the most significant relationships we're going to have in this life. And there's so much in the depth of it that we miss in the Proverbs that are listed. And I'm going to read them in just a moment because we, we tend to think of this as a contractual, you know, if, if you give me this, I'll give you this, and maybe we'll get, it through, get through life and both be happy kind of a relationship. And that's not what Scripture presents. It's not what Proverbs presents, despite what you're about to hear. So let me just say these so we can get the laughs out early. By the way, let me just preface. Um, most commentators would agree that this is a collection of wisdom that's likely written to, to a male audience of probably schoolboys. So, so when you hear the gen, you know, genders um, being used, you can make them transferable. So it's, you know, I'm saying that because I'm going to read these, and you're going to think, man, this is really you know, griping on, on the wife. And that's not not what we're going this morning. Before anyone walks out the door, but let me just give you uh, a collection of proverbs uh, on marriage. Proverbs 12:4, An excellent wife is a crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in the bones. Proverbs 14:1, The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Proverbs 19:13, A foolish son is Ruin to his father and a wife's quarrelling is a continual dripping of rain. Proverbs nineteen fourteen. Oh, they're gonna get better. <laughs> the house and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Proverbs twenty one, nine. It is better to live in the corner of the housetop than a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. <laughs> these are don't put these on any of your cards. Twenty-one, nineteen. it is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Proverbs 25, 24, it's better to live in the corner of a house. Oh, I already read that. Sorry. Um, 20, apparently that stood out to me. 27, 15, and 16, a continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. Um, you're going to hear, it sounds like belly aching, but there's something underneath this. In, in fact, let me, let me kind of jump into the text by saying this, despite where our, our culture is at and actually has been for the last generation or more, um, the stats are encouraging. We as a culture, we as a people across nationalities, cultures, and people, we are for marriage, In fact, if you are discouraged by the divorce rate, um, be encouraged by looking at it in this perspective. People are still getting married. But moreover, we actually know this to be true, that, that where there is a, a rising current of both acceptance in our culture and, and you know vocalization of you know alternate lifestyles and relationships, the predominant desire that we see and this, these are not you know, Christian stats. These are the stats that, that you will get in, in, in sociology and psychology that, that people are still longing for long-term, monogamous, committed relationships, that as a people, that we, we long for this idea of, you know, happily ever after till death do us part. We shoot for that. We long for that. Our hearts yearn for it. In, in fact, uh, studies would indicate and, and demonstrate that uh, if you want to, you know, roll the dice to have an unsuccessful relationship, live with your partner beforehand. You're twice as likely, if not more, to end up divorced or separated if you do that. In fact, the, the most successful way you can have a relationship is, <laughs> is to enter into a commitment and partnership with that person. And, and we would know this to be true from a counseling perspective, that if you hit a difficult moment or season in your relationship, which, you know, if some of you are newly married, you will but you hang in there and go through it, some three to five years later, almost 100% of those who are polled would say they not only have a better, but actually a very happy relationship. We're, there's something about us in our design that we, we are built for the long term. Now, I, I want to preface that. It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't mean it's it's right there for us. And in fact, um, let me just give a quick indictment to the culture that 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 we have actually, as a church, we've bought into this. I say that because um, we don't talk about marriage enough. This is a gift. It's a beautiful thing. In, in, in fact, um, you know, two days a week, I've mentioned this to you before that I, I get to sit in a counseling office. That I pre- predominantly, because I, I love relationships, I end up working with couples, and that's not because Aaron is. I, and, and you can ask my wife; she's at the back. I'm not a romantic. I'm not the love doctor. But I, I do care about, you know, how are we connecting? How are we relating? How are we? And every time I sit down with a couple and I ask them, so, so what's the main issue? What do you think is the, the answer I get every single time? Yeah. I ask for a Bible verse and it's crickets. But like I, <laughs> Communication. You know, we don't know how to talk to each other, or when we do, it ends up into, in a fight, or when I say this, she hears that. Do you not see that in, in Proverbs? Again, being very kind to both uh, sides, that, that, that this isn't just saying the wife, it could be the husband, that, that if you are in a relationship where somebody is, is consistently grating on you, you know, it's like better to live under a bush in the desert. Better better to live in the corner of the house. And, and you, you, you laugh, but you'll, you'll hear partnerships that are ailing, and it's like, where did you move? I'm in the guest room. That's the only safe place, because I don't know how to communicate. I don't know how to connect to this person. I don't know how to have a relationship with this person. What, what Solomon, the, the author uh, of Proverbs, is saying, he's saying, this relationship is so important, it will either you know, enhance your life to the skies, or it will bring you down to the pit. And we can talk about that in multiple ways. This is this is a word to those who are not yet married, like choose wisely. This is a word to those who are married, work at it, work tirelessly. And, and a word to those who have maybe have some regrets in that, to go, you know what? God can can heal and mend all these things. I, I would encourage us this, this way: marriage is like unlike any other relationship, in fact, um, it, it's so distinct because when you're in a dating relationship, even even among friendships, that's kind of like marketing and promotions. You know, you're trying to put on your best self. You know, you're always, always, you know, uh, making yourself look good, trying to act good, but, but when you're married, it, you know, those things can kind of come off, so to speak. And I'm not saying you let yourself go, I'm, I'm saying... You, you realize that, that there is something there to fall into. One of the things that, that I want to affirm greatly that is in Scripture and that, that is actually, there's a, an echo of it still in our culture. Marriage is not a, 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 an invitation to, well, let's see how this goes. It's a commitment. It's a long-standing contractual commitment that says, no matter what, I'm not leaving you. And you can lean into that. In fact, I I hear these anecdotes all the time where a couple will say, well, you know, our, our relationship is ailing, but we've been together for many years, decades even, and yet, you know, the trust isn't there, and it's, well, you're not sharing bank accounts. So even though you tell your partner, well, I'm investing to our future, he or she doesn't even know that it's there, so how can they trust it? Or you'll hear something to the effect of, um, you know, I've, I've had this deep and hidden secret and I've, I've, I've held it from her or from him for, for their benefit. And they're going, don't you see that it, we're a team? And when you hold those things, it actually drives us apart. It doesn't support the coming together. And, and what we're seeing here in, in Proverbs is a clear, you know, when it's not just communication, but when, when the relationship is ailing, everything in life ails as well think if you're married, you can nod. That's, this is safe. You know that to be true. If things at home aren't going well. Everything else flows out from that. It, marriage is unlike any other relationship uh, because it's a question of like, what, what is holding us together? So the Christian perspective is this. That on your wedding day, you exchange promises that say, no matter what, I'm there for you and you'll be there for me. In fact, when I do premarital counseling, which uh, I, I used to want to be, I was really ambitious. I've done more weddings than I can count sat with more couples than I could count. And, and we used to walk through, I, I kind of broke it down in my own curriculum. I was really proud of it. We talked about family. We talked about friends. We talked about finances. We talked about fun. They were all F words, by the way. Um, <laughs> it Help helped the youth pastor and me keep it, keep it straight. And, and then, you know, we would talk about all these things and I'd be like, yeah, this sounds like a problem. You should probably do a budget. This sounds like a problem. You should talk about how you're going to navigate that. And, and the, the same outcome happened because I used to do a six-month and a one-year check-in With couples, and even those who seem to have this great start through my wise counsel, uh, seem to have the same issues as those who really didn't. And I, I had to ask myself what was going on here. And what we missed was a conversation of covenant. And I, I, so I threw the curriculum out the window, and I just went, you know what? We're going to talk about one thing that's uh, on your wedding day. We're we're not here to celebrate your dress. We're not here to celebrate the cake. We're we're not here to have a, a, a party. Although these are. Parts of the day, the epicenter of the day, and this is why this is for believers and unbelievers alike, is, is family and friends are here to hear your promises to each other and so shape your wedding, shape your marriage in those words. Because if, you're, if your words on that day are, well, provided I feel like it, I'm here, you're off to a horrible start, which is really where our culture has landed. In fact... I hear this a lot from my generation, the generation behind me. Well, we can we can live together, and, and that's like a commitment, but it, what you're saying and what you're buying into is, well, he likes me enough to live with me, but not enough to m- marry me, to commit to me. In other words, it's kind of like, I'm reserving the right to trade you in at a, at a moment, should a better option come around. And, and some of you cringe at that, but... It's essentially what's being communicated, so you're never able to transition from marketing and promotions into what the depth of relationship is. I, I didn't run any of this text or, or script past my wife this morning, so I might get in trouble for a few of these, including this one, but... <laughs> you know, when we were dating, there, there was something just electric if, if I was able to reach out and hold her hand, or that first kiss. And some of you in our culture would say, like, well, Aaron, is that still there? Well, no. And thank, thank the Lord that it's not. Because I would be, you know, a mess of butterflies around everybody and wherever we go. But, you know, it's not there because, you know, we, we are a mile wide and an inch deep. And, and, and now, you know, after, may, I shouldn't say, may, we're kind of in the middle season. Okay, we're coming up on 13 years. So long enough to have respect, not long enough to write a book that's, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, what I've learned in that is that the depth of just being able to, to rest in who she is with me and who I am with her, that, I, you know, at, at my worst, I feel okay. Because, you know, it was electrifying about those first moments. It had nothing to do with my emotions to her and everything to do with her emotions to me because inside it was it was an ego boost it was i can't believe she's holding my hand <laughs> she likes me <laughs> like i must be awesome these are the thoughts that go like <laughs> that has to die in us for us to grow in relationship if if we were to stay in that place i mean there's something childish and and thrilling about it, but there's no depth, there's no longevity. Imagine you hit the storms of life, and what, that doesn't equip you, because there will be moments, and you can again attest, you can speak to my wife, who will attest to this, where you go home, you say, honey, I've made a terrible decision, and you're gonna have to pay for it. You know, I did something today that I feel horrible about, or, or, you know, you you may, this is in our case, like, Never has it gone the other way around. Or, honey, I did something wrong. I'd be like, really? Well, about time. is um, <laughs> almost always me. But it's that idea of, if we don't grow deeper, which is what having a trusted commitment allows, then, then we actually miss out on the depth and the real gift that marriage is. I, I, you know, like, listen, our culture says, you know, and some of you have lived through the apps. Some of you might even have them on your phone now. It, it's a promotion of, of the most surfacey things. I mean, and I, if you are single and, or, and young, hear this, as, as someone cares about you, I, I'm sorry. It's a weird world where it's like people are going to decide on me based on three pictures and a swipe left or right. And you laugh, and I was like, no, that, like, I remember talking to some, uh, a young person in our church who was like, Aaron, like, tell me how to date, and I was like, uh, I don't know, I went to Bible college. <laughs> it worked. First girl I met, pretty much, um, married that one. Um, it, like, this is foreign to me, and I apologize, you know, tell me. Help me understand your experience. It was one of like, I, I want to know depth. I want to know substance. And how do we see that when I'm being evaluated on my best picks and on the bio that I write and, and what we're trying to put out there. And, and, and listen, when we embrace that as that's love, that's commitment, that's relationship, that's depth, we're setting ourselves up for a horrible marriage and for failure in life. We'll never have the depth uh, of relationships that we should in, in fact, you know, I, I walk with couples all the time who suffer emotional and, and physical affairs. And when they come, you know what? You can work through those things, but you say this. Well, marriage number one, relationship number one, is it's gone, it's destroyed. Do we want to build number two? And usually when we kind of, in that building, process what happened, it was a question or questions of you know what, I, I discovered that I was chasing this thing that was, I always had to have this emotional fill. I always had to see what was on the surface and there was no depth there. And the beauty of actually walking through horrific pain is you can actually build depth. But we don't do that with any relationships in our life, so we don't get to experience it. That. And that's really the the training ground that is found in a commitment in marriage to say, you know what, no matter what. like, And this is... This is in our vows, our right? For rich or for poor, sickness and health. I know we all say those and go, it's not going to be me. You know, maybe I'll get sick and you're stuck with me. You know, but, but th- this is not going to be us. We're, we're going to be the ones who thread the needle and get through life with all the blessings. Uh, we, we know that if we bank into the surface, the physical attraction and chemistry, um, that's a bad bet because gravity wins. You know, you got, it. some of you were just, <laughs> you know, you, you, you get to a point in life where you're like, you know what, there's no matter what I do with this, it's this. And that's, and, but to sit in a relationship where it's like, but you're not going anywhere. You're with me and you accept me. That's what fills us in a, in a sense, that encourages us to this. You're always growing into the marriage. You're always growing into the relationship. Um, to anchor us back into Scripture. We, we do say, see this, uh, the earliest marriage, and, and I, I like to say this, I, I often have couples who come to me kind of sheepishly, Aaron, uh, we're not Christians, we don't go to church, w- would you do our, our marriage? And I, I go, this is a gift for the believer and unbeliever alike. When, when God gave marriage, it was to humanity, And it's an awesome opportunity to point to something of God's love that that many people never get to experience if they don't pursue a relationship with Christ or if the Holy Spirit doesn't awaken that in them. And I I speak to you in Genesis chapter 2 when when God brings, and they didn't have a lot of choice, you know, the first man and woman together, uh, he, he says to cleave or to hold fast to your wife. It's like basically going, it's you and me you you are no longer i mean it's the whole is greater than the sum of its parts you're still a, you have individuality but you are actually more together and if your relationship is 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 Doing well, you understand that. If it's ailing, you're kind of like, I just don't feel that. Because you're not just a collection of your strengths, but a cr- collection of your weaknesses as well. Uh, in the counseling office, we, we call this negative sentiment override. It's a, it's a fancy way of saying, you know how when somebody's gotten on your last nerve, no matter what they do, it looks wrong? That's when you know your marriage is into trouble. Doesn't mean your, your spouse needs to be upgraded or changed. It does mean that there's something with your perspective, there's something in your relationship, in your communication, as you all identify, that needs to change. Why? Because you can't hear what they're saying without seeing it in an, or hearing it in a negative way. I like to do this in a counseling office. I'll have them talk, but I'll translate. And they're like, well, that sounds really good and really agreeable. Why do we hear it differently when it's you? Because it's not your partner. And it's like the light bulb comes on. They're like, we have a problem. You know we have to be working at this, but it's the kind of thing you grow into, as well. Um, it's amazing. There's irony in this, but but we know it to be true that uh, ailing relationships all, often go well. What do we do to make this better? I know. Let's have kids. You know, like like that's going to take the pressure off. <laughs> but but that happens. We we know that to be true. And and some of you, are, it's a it's a sheepish smile and laugh. It's like that was us. You know, we, we enter this, but, but it's incredible the love you have for your children. You know, I, I was a youth pastor when, when we had kids, and I remember saying to my, uh, you know, you, you kind of have a family of like a hundred kids, and I remember saying to them foolishly, ah, oh, I love you just like my kids. Not true. <laughs> you know, at the time, I think it was true because my, my, we brought home twin girls, and they were like little bundles of, you know, screaming. Um... <laughs> And, and, you know, that affection wasn't huge for me yet. But as they grew, as they developed, as I sacrificed, as I stayed up nights, as I, I hung out with them. I, and I remember as they started to talk, and I wasn't really talking, I was like, like screeching at you. And I was like, this is awesome. I, I love, and I, I still love, you know, my time with them. It was like, you know, a, any other relationship just kind of paled. Like, I just, I'll give you anything. And, and you know, if you're a parent, this is like a one-way ticket like, yeah, Father's Day, I got a card. Like, that. that's the kind of the return you get on how many nights were you up helping them, how many times were you doing homework, you know, how many times you clean up their mess, how many, you know, like, you know, like, if the tally, like, there's just no way they could recoup that, but you're like, I'll do it again. Like, you misspelled my name on a Father's Day card. I love it. Like, <laughs> you know this to be true. Now, now, it's amazing how like that that will go on until the day they leave your home and and i remember as a youth pastor sitting with parents and i wish i could impart my wisdom well the the little wisdom i've gained back into my old self because they would you know parents would come in my office they distraught and they'd be like my son my daughter they've left for college and, and i'm afraid to lose them and i usually look at them like we well, have a phone you can visit? Like, what, what are we dealing with here? And then, you know, after a while, they'd really come out with it, and they'd be like, well, it's not that my kids are gone. It's just now I'm left with my spouse. And I don't I don't know him. I don't know her. You see, it, it we have this idea that, that I'll invest in you if you invest in me, and if you're not going to invest in me, I'm not going to invest in you, and then the marriage drifts. And over the course of years, we eventually, it's like... We wake up to a stranger each morning and we have a choice to whether we're going to love that person or whether we're going to grow distant from that person. That's marriage. And if you choose to grow distant by being, you know, this is called resentment, by the way. Resentment is that emotion, that thought that my life would be better if you change. You know, I think men enter relationships kind of going like, she's great. Like, life couldn't get any better. Women go into relationships kind of like, he's got good potential. This, this is workable. And then one day, you know, he, he wakes up and goes, not so great. And she wakes up and goes, he's not changing. And then you realize that, that we enter into relationships with this idea that, that you're going you're gonna to become a better person. And that that's going to enhance my life when the remedy for us to improve and to grow and to flourish is actually by investing in each other. You know, if you loved one another and invested the way you did your kids, imagine the marriage when they leave. All right, out with you. Time for us to, you know, like, and, and you do know the odd couple that does that, and you're like, wow, I want what they have. That doesn't just happen. That takes years and years of intensive work. In fact, th- this is why uh, we want to encourage you this morning that, that there's no relationship like it. There's no partnership or friendship like it. In fact, um, Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Love her like your own body. What's that saying? Jesus says to the church, You're my body. I'm the head. So so the degree in which I love you is the degree in which I want you to flourish. And he's saying, Husbands, you, you need to pour into your spouse like that. If we took that on really seriously, it would be like, man, it, I don't just do this to make me happy. It's like when you are growing, when you are flourishing, our lives are sweet. They're great. We, my, my wife and I, again, oh, I'm in so much trouble today. <laughs> we, we've gone through these seasons of like one of us on the back burner supporting the other to, to move forward. And so, you know, early on in our relationship, my wife was going to school. And so, you know, shoestring budget. You know, you study, you, you do those things, and then you go get a job, and she's in her job and a career that she likes, and then years later, we switched, and, and now we're kind of switching back again, and, and we always kind of have this conversation, like, are you okay with this, babe? Are you okay? I feel like I'm taking point, and you're stepping back. It's like, I love this because I see you enhanced. If this were a exchange relationship, like goods and services, like, you'd be ripped off. You mean I have to put my life on hold so you grow? No way. But rather, when you see yourselves as a collection, as a team, it's like, absolutely. Like, I'm excited. You get a glimpse. And this is what the wedding day should be. When I perform a wedding, I, everyone's watching. It's a fun perspective as a, as a pastor. You're up front. And everybody, when the doors open and the bride comes in, it's that golden moment. Never looked better. Never, never was better dressed. Everyone turns and looks at her. I like to watch the groom. And, and, and usually he's, he's fighting tears or he's got a goofy grin on his face where he's, you can just, his thoughts are like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, I can't believe, like, and, and I, I just love it because I go, like, it, it's a moment like that where you're like, I, I see in you what you probably don't even see in yourself. And marriage is, you get these glimpses of that, that person growing and, and flourishing, and that's to fill you. That's how these relationships work. You know, think of King Solomon who writes these. A a guy who had the world record probably of wives. You know, when he's like, I know what it's like to have a a constant dripping uh, with a quarrelsome partner in the house. Why? Because, you know, he probably forgot every anniversary. So he just annual every day birthday or, you know, anniversary dinner. You know, one of you probably, right? Okay, this is for you. Um, you know, standard gift package. Um, <laughs> how do you ever get that right? How do you ever make that grow? We want to see that happen. You know, you, the irony of the whole thing is this. We so want this. It's even in our marketing and promotions. E Harmony, I think it's kind of fallen off, but that's what it was. You know, we've got the scientific formula to find the perfect person for you. I mean, that's now translated into our apps. You take out the science. You tell us. Look at the bio. Is this not the perfect person for you? No, it's not. Swipe. Find, you know, and, and it's like it's like Kijiji for people. Like, you just... <laughs> and eventually, you might find it. And and, and here's the, you know, listen, I, I don't mean this to downplay anyone who really believes that the Lord directed you to your partner. I believe that that does happen, and I celebrate it. But I also believe this, that... You can be, as an individual, happy with many, many people. But when you select one, I love to say when I do weddings, it's not just about loving your partners, it's loving your choice. That, that every year is an ongoing way to say, you know what, I, I'm going to love this choice, I'm going to honor this choice, I'm going to build into this choice, because you cannot and they cannot be for you all the things that they portray. Because this is what culture wants. They're going to accept me fully, and I don't have to change a bit, And we market ourselves that way. Like, I'm okay with all your flaws, and, and, you know, and I'll change. And then you, know, you enter into a deep relationship, you know it's a complete facade. And yet, we want that, we crave it, we're so hungry for it. In fact... Um, I, again, I, a lot of what I'm get, kind of getting this morning, I'm breaking down from multiple books and resources. One of them, uh, Tim and Kathy Keller write a wonderful book together and they do some speaking together on marriage. And one of the things that actually Kathy Keller says I think is brilliant because we, we have a tendency to try and pick out the perfect partner. We all, we all have a friend, know somebody who's held out far too long because everybody had a flaw. And I don't say that to be mean, but it's true. It's true. And she says, don't, don't look for the statue, but look for a good piece of marble. And marriage is the chiseling away. Because the Christian perspective is this, that one day, probably as we stand before the Lord, we're going to look at each other and go, I knew it. That's the you I always saw. And if that doesn't encourage you, it should, because there's these moments in marriage where you're, you're going you're gonna to fail. You're, you're going to fall flat on your face. We're going to be like, honey, I'm sorry I said that. Sorry I did that. And, you know, we, what do we do from here? But if you're building out of covenant that that I'm going to be for you what you can't be for yourself and I'm going to stick with you no matter what, you have an ability to go, like, let's keep going. Let's start again. Let's help chisel away at it. In, in fact, one of the things is it allows you to breathe. You know, if you've ever talked to a couple that doesn't have that certainty, they, there's an anxiety there that doesn't allow them to grow any depth. One of the early things, and it was one of the great, great wisdoms that's helped us in our marriage was we, we just said, you know what? When we fight, and we do, okay? Some of you go, when the pastor talks about marriage, it's all gonna be about how he has the idealized marriage. Not the case. We fight, but, but the one rule we had from early on is when we fight, we're not gonna use the word divorce. It's just not on the table, you know. And and how many of our friends have we walked with, and we're like, why this feels so rocky, this feels so so tenuous. How did we get there? And then we find out somebody dropped that word and became a real threat. And now the other person's going like, well, I'm I'm considering my options. I'm looking around. I don't know where to go, you know. But rather than saying I am so mad at you right now, but I'm here. That's workable. We can you know what we, we want to press into is this picture of. We long to be accepted unconditionally. But you can't do that because you know what? We're we're broken people coming into a relationship where, let's be honest, sometimes you can't even accept yourself. Uh, A friend of mine, he's an author, brilliant. Uh, Until our relationship became solid enough, I just felt like an idiot talking to him because he's just so creative. But he was telling me, Aaron, when I write a book, as I'm prepping the whole book, before I even get to the storyline, I do character sheets. And a character sheet is usually one or two pages. It's, it's the character, you know, where they're from, how they operate, their, their kind of identity, how they think. And then, and then he's like, and then as I write, when the character comes to a point of decision or a problem, I, I, I can ask myself, because I know them in some kind of depth, how would they respond? And then, and then, the, and then the story becomes something real. It's not just solving the external issue, but it's, it's solving an internal one as well. And I'm like, oh, you're brilliant. And then, then I kind of go, you know what? Th- that's a, a wonderful picture of marriage because sometimes your spouse knows you better than you even know yourself. You know, where, where she can look at you, he can look at you and go, you know, hon, you, you, you seem off. Like, what's up? Oh, no, I'm fine. No, seriously, what's, what's up? You're not... You're not you. I know you. What's going on? And they can bring out of you and chisel out of you something that you didn't even know was there before. That, that's the gift that God wants to give us through marriage. And that's what we miss out when, when we either don't invest in the right relationship or we, we don't invest in the relationship that we're given. By the way, let me just say this. If you're married, that's the right relationship. Like, that's the one you invest in. I think scripture would agree with that. But I, I would also say this, you know, I, I have to, not just because I'm a pastor, but because I care about you. I really love this church. Um, th- this is why scripture says, marry someone of the same faith. Why? It, it, you know, I, I used to tell couples, you know, it's a really good thing to do because Jesus said it. I just didn't land with them. Like, okay. And I had to get, kind of dig with, into that. Like, well, you want this person to know you, right? Yeah. And accept you. Yeah. Well, here's a big part of you. They don't know and can't comprehend, nor do they accept. How do you think that's going to go 10, 20, 30 years from now? That's like choosing to, you know, there, there's a good way in which you can break off the sharp edges on each other and smooth. Whoops. Um, or, or there's a bad way in which you'll just obliterate each other. And this is one of those ways where you'll just obliterate each other because y- you don't understand. You know, to choose that kind of partner is, you know, not to set yourself up. I won't say for failure. Sometimes, by God's grace, it works out. But it's certainly playing the odds in a dangerous way. In fact, we, we know that we hunger and that we thirst for acceptance so much that we can't do it. But there is one way in which I want to leave you where, where we can receive it so that we can give it to others. See, Scripture reveals Jesus as the perfect spouse. He is the bridegroom to his bride, the church. And, and that's a metaphor. I know it's a metaphor where guys get squeamish because you're the bride. But it's, it's the picture of he's the perfect spouse. He, he's the one who accepts unconditionally. And he knows you better than you know yourself. Why? He created you. He sees your inmost being. He, he knows your thoughts he, he understands humanity. Like, you, you know, no matter how you look at it, he knows you really, really well. That character sheet of your life, he wrote it. And he goes, you know what? I, I know, Aaron, where you're going to fail. I know where you're going to struggle. I know the things you're going to hold against yourself. I know the things that, that are rightly held against you where you've messed up. But guess what? I love you. Uh, and, and this is the gospel. I love you because I love you. You can't earn this. I choose to invest in this. Scripture says, well, we were yet sinners. Well, you you know, pick that worst moment in your life. I know we all have one. And and, and I'm not inviting you to play that highlight reel to to cause you pain. I'm saying bring it up and then understand in that moment Jesus enters in and goes, I love you. I I fully accept you. I fully accept that. I mean, I think that's the scariest part about marriage. You enter a relationship where they're like, okay, you're going to see all of me. Morning breath, you know, the whole thing. All those weird little habits. It's like, you do that? Yeah. Right? I'll be fair to my wife. Like, she's like, you get up and eat in the middle of the night, why? Because I get hungry. <laughs> well, you wake up the whole family. But then I'm awake, so like, sorry. Like, th- like, th- like when did that happen? I, well, it's kind of always been there. You just got to discover it now. That's, uh, like, that's marriage. Jesus, he, he sees all that, and goes, "I accept you." In, in fact, I, I love this. in In Matthew twenty two, there's a moment where a, a group goes to Jesus. They're trying to catch him flat footed, and they go, "Jesus, suppose um, one man and his." wife don't have any children and he dies and so she marries the brother to you know carry on the family lineage and and they don't have children and that brother dies and so on and so forth for seven brothers and then you know and there's no children so in heaven whose bride is she they're like aha and jesus is like no one's In, in, in heaven in my kingdom that's that's not how we do this it, th- this is a, a way for you to have a snapshot and it's only a, a vague picture of the love that I have for you that, that I'm, I'm the perfect spouse. That one day in eternity we're going to kind of look at each other and go, hey, oh, the brilliance that I knew was in you and I got I got the closest picture of it because I got to be that close with you but now it's for the whole family of Christ to see. But Jesus knew it was in you the whole time. That's That's the picture of marriage that we need to pursue. And let me just say this for anyone who's kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been tuning out the whole marriage thing from the start. We we get to pursue and we get to polish one another as a church family, as a unified, universal bride. So if you thought, hey, this idea of marriage is not yours. No, in Christ, it's yours. Yours to Im- embrace. In fact, in a moment, we're going to approach the Lord's table. And, and I, let me give you a new picture if you've not seen this in Scripture before, but we know this to be true of pretty much every culture around the world after the wedding there comes a feast and at the feast there there is a celebrating of, of what the, the, the vows, the, the, the promise, what was symbolized in many ways, jumping over the broom, stepping on the glass, whatever it is, it's we are now one. And that idea of oneness isn't like, it's, it's not scripture being cute and, 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 or coy to talk about you know, physical intimacy. It's saying, no, that you're together. In the communion table, Christ is going, no, no, I, I prayed this for you. In John chapter 17, that through the Holy Spirit this would be true and through what I'm about to do on the cross and through my resurrection, we get to be one. Through my body broken and my blood shed. So, so if you've never received that or if you're going, you know what? I've never felt that accepted and I want, I want to receive that, that, that you would pray with me in a moment. And Maybe this is the first time you approach communion together, the elements again at the back, and we'll observe that after one song. Let me pray. So, Father God, thank you for a beautiful gift that is in marriage. And and I pray, may we receive that that encouragement afresh, no matter where we are in life, that, that, Lord, you are, through your death, your resurrection, and the sanctifying work of your Holy Spirit, you are making us, you are polishing us, you are chiseling us out to be a beautiful bride. And I thank you that it's, it's, Lord, we get to celebrate that work in each other, but Lord, it's ultimately for your glory. The price you paid, Lord, and your body broke and your blood shed. So, Lord, as we approach the communion table in a, in a few moments, Lord, may we examine our hearts to go, Lord. There, there is a solemnness here, Lord. I am so sorry. That, I, that, Lord, I've, I've lived for myself. I've tried to make this a contractual, you know, I get what I want out of this relationship. And, Lord, that's not what it is. And, Lord, thank you so much for, that you would accept me. I don't have to give you or do anything here, Lord, to make me more polished or more clean. You do that for me through your death and resurrection. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for accepting me. And so as we approach the table, we celebrate that.